Good evening, this is Patrick Donahue. We appreciate you listening, as always, to Bible Crossfire. You just heard the announcer how to call if you have a Bible question or comment. While we're waiting on our first call, I thought we'd talk about a passage, 2 Peter 2, chapter 2, verses 20 through 22. Here's how that reads in the King James Version. For if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ... They are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallering in the mire. Here we have some people who have uh, been entangled back into the world and the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Now we know these people had become Christians because it says they had escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of Christ. Now when the King James Version has pollutions here, it's not talking about smog. The footnote has sins, sins of the world. The American Standard Version has defilements. Only a Christian has escaped his sins through the knowledge of Christ. Here's how Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1 and 12 puts it. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But these Christians in 2 Peter chapter 2 had become entangled again in the sins of the world. And so the text says about them, quote, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. In other words, they would have been better off never having become a Christian in the first place than becoming a Christian and then quit serving the Lord. Obviously, a person who has never become a Christian in the first place is not going to be saved. So if the fallen away Christian in this text is worse off than that, then he is not going to be saved either. This, then, is a clear example of a text that proves the doctrine of once saved, always saved is false. We bring this passage up tonight because we've had so many calls recently on the once saved, always saved position. Now, verse 22 supplies a couple of analogies to illustrate what's going on in this text. One of them involves a pig that is washed, returning to the mud. This is how God views a fallen away Christian. It's like washing a pig, and that would be the initial forgiveness of sins when a person is born again, and then the pig returning back into the mud. That would be like a Christian returning to the sins of the world from which he came. I read somewhere that there are more than 2,500 warnings in the Bible against the possibility of falling. Now, I've illustrated before, I got this illustration from a friend. We don't have shark warnings here in North Alabama. Why? Because there's no sharks here. There's no ocean here in North Alabama. What do we learn from that in this case? If the Bible warns Christians so many times against falling... It must be possible for a Christian to fall. It would not warn a Christian for falling if it weren't possible for a Christian to fall. For the same reason, we don't have shark warnings in North Alabama because there are no sharks here. 
Now, let me quickly mention some other passages that teach that once saved, always saved is false. Galatians 5.4 Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. How about James 5.19 and 20? Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Revelation 3, 5. He that overcometh, I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 2. If you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or comment. So we're talking about 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 through 22. You notice how it clearly is teaching about a person who's become a Christian to start with. You can't say this person has never become a Christian because it says they escape the sins of the world through the knowledge of Christ. And only a Christian has actually escaped his sins through the knowledge of Christ. But this passage says that if this person, a Christian, one who has escaped the sins of the world through the knowledge of Christ, then is entangled back into the sins of the world, the latter end is worse with him than in the beginning. It'd been better for him not to have known the way of righteousness than to know the way of righteousness and then turn from it. Now, if it's worse for him than, than in the beginning, meaning before he became a Christian, and a person is not saved before they become a Christian, obviously, then this person, this Christian who falls away, is not saved anymore because it's worse for him than in the beginning, than if he'd ever be- never become a Christian to begin with. This seems pretty simple and clear. Why do so many people want to contend for the fact that once saved, always saved is true when not a single passage in the Bible comes close to teaching it? And you probably have two or three dozen hundred passages in the Bible that teach once saved, always saved is false. As I mentioned, there are probably about 2,500 warnings in the Bible against a saint falling away from Christ. Why are those warnings in there? If that's impossible. That would be like putting a shark warning up on the road signs in North Alabama when we don't have an ocean around here for there to be any sharks. And and we mentioned about the illustration of the pig returning to the mire. I don't know why anybody'd want to wash a pig. But if you want to get a pig to be clean, you got to wash him and you got to keep him out of the mud. The illustration here is that a person who gets washed, like the pig, becomes a Christian, he's forgiven of his sins, but he returns back to the mud, the sins of the world, he's going to be dirty again. He's not going to be clean anymore. Once saved, always saved is not true. The Bible teaches against it very clearly in many, many places. Bill from Illinois, go ahead with the Bible question or comment, please. Hi, Patrick. I always try and listen to your program. Um, I'm just wondering, do you know personally of any believer or Christian who has uh, walked away from Christ or denied him personally? Oh, yes. Yes, I know many like that. I've, really? I've known probably, yes, dozens in my lifetime. I've known of people who were Christians, people who were saved, and they walked away from Christ. They turned away from the Lord and they fell away and lost their salvation. Dozens of them. Bill, do you have any follow-up with that? 
No, I, I've been a Christian for a long time, and I've never, never uh, personally uh, found anybody that did that. But Yeah, but you, Bill, you, yeah. Bill, what I would suggest to you is you perhaps have the wrong definition of what a Christian is. A Christian is a follower of Christ, and many people don't realize that. And so a lot of times people think people can be Christians without being a follower of Christ. And so we have many people who have started to follow Christ, and then they have fallen away. They've quit following, uh, quit following Christ. Tony from California, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, yes I was just wondering, how exactly uh, does somebody uh, fall away um, well, from, uh, you know, would it be uh, unconfessed sin, you know, or... How, how, would, how would exactly somebody fall away? I've always wondered. <laughs> yeah. Let's look at some passages um, about that. Do you, do you have uh, – you want to stay on the line or do you want to go off the line? Let me go through some of these passages to answer your question. Um, I can, uh, I can uh, get off the line and just listen, yeah. Okay. I, I can put – tell you what. How about if I put you on hold? Okay. Okay. I'll put you good. on hold. Thank you. Now, let's go through some passages. How would someone fall away? Well, let's look at some of these passages we looked at. The one in Second Peter 2 says, If they become a Christian, they escape the sins of the world through the knowledge of Christ, but they're entangled again in the sins of the world. So that's a way a person would fall away. He becomes entangled again into the sins of the world. How about Galatians chapter 5, verse 4? Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. Here we have a person that's a Christian, and then he tries to be justified by the Old Testament law, this verse says he's fallen from grace. How about James five nineteen through 20? Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. And so here's a brother in Christ. He errs from the truth. Our duty is to try to... Uh, convert him back. If we fail to convert him, convert him back, maybe he refuses. His soul will die. He's lost. He, obviously, a brother in Christ, he errs from the truth. He's lost. How did he do that? How did he fall away? He erred from the truth. How about Revelation chapter 3, verse 5? He that overcometh, I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. So here we have, obviously, a Christian, because their name's in the book of life. You can only get your name in the book of life if you're saved, because that's a list of the names of all the saved people. His name will be blotted out of the book of life if he does not overcome temptation, persecution. So according to this text, the way you fall away, the way you lose your salvation is by not overcoming temptation, persecution. How about another one we've looked at? Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 2. If we seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Here's a good one. How does a person fall away from Christ? If he forsakes God. God will be with us as long as we're seeking him and we search for him and, and look for him. But if we forsake God, this verse says he will forsake us. Second Timothy 2 says the same thing in a different way. If we deny him, he also will deny us. So that's a way to fall away from God is to forsake God, to deny God. These are all ways that you can fall away from Christ. And these passages prove conclusively that a Christian can fall away from Christ in these ways and lose his salvation. Tony from California. You back on the yeah. line? Yeah, I'm, you I'm have any still here. You have any follow-up yeah. with that? 
Oh, I guess my follow-up is, so then would that be considered, like, let's say somebody doesn't confess their sins and they, you know, let them go by, and then let's just say, for instance, maybe they happen to pass away without unconfessed sin. Would that be considered falling away? Let's say they yeah, fall into temptation of some kind. Let's say they uh, commit adultery or something and they don't confess the sin and then they happen to pass away. Uh, would that be considered falling away? Yeah, let's look at that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, now I'm going to drop you from the line, Tony, to go to somebody else, but I'm going to answer that question before I do. That's a very no good worries. question. Thank just just thank, listen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you though. Okay. And so that's a good question. Here's a person that... Say they go off into adultery. They're married, but they go off and start cheating on their wife, and they're living in adultery by cheating on their wife, and they don't confess that. Well, that's a good point because First John chapter 1, verse 9, talking to Christians, says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So according to that passage, God will forgive us, of any sin, that would be any sin except the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost, Matthew twelve thirty one through 32. He'll forgive us of any sin if we're willing to repent and confess it. Even the sin of rape, murder, homosexuality, you can be forgiven. But if you're not willing to confess, it says if you confess your sins, he will forgive you, which would imply that if you don't confess your sins, he won't forgive you. So here we have talking about an adulterer. Revelation 21 verse 8 says the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable and murderers and the sexually immoral and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So all of the sexually immoral, including homosexuals and adulterers, if they don't repent and confess their sins, 1 John 1 9, this says they're going to have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So again, this conclusively proves that once saved, always saved is false. If a Christian goes off into these sins, adultery, homosexuality, fornication, murder, drunkenness, and he isn't willing to repent of those sins, he's not willing to confess them, 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess them, he'll forgive us. That implies if we're not willing to confess them, if we're not willing to repent of them, Acts 8.22, we will not be forgiven and will be lost in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's pretty clear. Now, maybe that doesn't sound too comfortable. A lot of people want to believe in what saved always say because they want to live the way they want to live and still feel comfortable in their salvation. Yet, yeah, this may not be that comfortable. We're going to have to be faithful to God to be saved, but it, we can do it. These passages teach, teach that we ought to and that we should and that we must. Anton from Ontario. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi, uh, hi Patrick. Uh, it's me. Um, I wanted to... I, I don't think you defined very well what it means to be a follower of Christ. Is, is, it, is it possible to be a follower of Christ if you're not a Church of Christ member? Well, here's how you become a, be a follower of Christ. Uh-huh. John 3, Mark 16, 16. Let's start with that. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And Jesus, of course, was baptized. And so to follow Christ, according to Mark 16, 16, you would have to believe and be baptized. That's his teaching. You know, back then, Anton... People, the disciples, the apostles followed 
Christ around by, by walking with him during the day and listening to him preach day by day. We, he's not on the earth. We don't follow him that way. We follow him by following his teachings. In Acts chapter then, 2, uh, verse 38. Baptist, in Baptist Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 38. Yeah. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall, follow, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so, to become a follower of Christ, one is going to have to be, be believe, repent of his sins, and be baptized for the remission of sins. That's how you begin to be a follower of Christ. A person who has not done that has never become a follower of Christ. He's never believed, repented, and been baptized for the remission of sins. Not only do you have to be baptized, not only do you have to be immersed, you have to be immersed for the remission of sins, for that reason. That's the command, and that's the reason given in Acts 2, verse 38. It's just like Matthew 19, 9, Jesus said it, that if... Uh, Whoever puts away his wife, except it be for fornication, and marries another, commits adultery. So a person, for a person to scripturally divorce his wife and marry another without committing adultery, he has the right reason. There's only one scriptural reason for fornication. You have to be baptized for the right reason, for the remission of sins, in order to get the remission of sins. That's what it takes to, just to begin to be a follower of Christ. Neil from Ohio, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Uh, good evening. Uh, I listen to uh, Sirius XM and uh, a lot of good teaching. It's so interesting to me that you and Andrew Farley so totally disagree on uh, eternal security or once saved, always saved. And I encourage people in our church to listen as well. And they're getting two messages. So as a pastor, how am I supposed to handle those two messages that they hear? Well... As you know, in mathematics, Neil, 2 plus 2 cannot equal 4 and 5 at the same time. It's one or the other. It can't, both answers can't be right. Am I, am I right, Neil? That's correct. I'll say, so if I don't know who Andrew Farley is, perhaps he would like to have a public debate on, some of the, on this issue of once saved, always saved. But anyway, I don't know who he is. But if he's teaching once saved, always saved, and I'm teaching that the Bible teaches against once saved, always saved. Both of us can't be right. Am I correct, Neil? I would say that's correct, yes. So how would you find out who's right? This is a religious matter, a religious doctrinal issue. How would you find out who's right if Andrew Farley teaches you can live any old way you want to and still be saved as a Christian? And I say, no, no you have to live faithfully to Christ. How would no, you find doesn't. out who's right? Well, he doesn't say you can live any old way you want to, so I wouldn't. I well, wouldn't go that far. Okay, but he did say you did say he taught once saved, always saved. So if a person is saved, that would mean he could live any old way he wanted to and still be saved, because once saved, always saved. That's the conclusion from that doctrine. Now, let me mention something to you, Neil. Consider this passage, which I just read a while ago, Second Chronicles fifteen verse two. If you seek him, it's about seeking God, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. So, if you're, how would you find out who's right? Andrew Farley, who's teaching once saved, always saved, or myself, who teaches the Bible, says the Bible says once saved, always saved is false. How would you find out who's right, Neil? I'm sure you would say go to the Scripture, seek the Holy Spirit for the truth of the matter. 
So go to the Scriptures. The Scriptures were written by the Holy Spirit, by God. And here we have a passage that says, If we forsake Him, referring to God, He will forsake us. So it seems Uh, to me that the Scriptures answer this question clearly. It's just that people don't want to believe the truth because it makes them feel uncomfortable. They would rather be able to live any old way they want to and still be saved. That's a really comforting doctrine. The only problem with it is the Scripture doesn't come anywhere close to teaching it. Does the Scripture also say that uh, God will never leave you and never forsake you? Yeah, He does. So how would you get what? How would you get that passage that you just quoted and make it reconcile with this one that says, "If you forsake Him, He will forsake you"? How can both of those passages be true, Dale? I think this is a pretty simple answer. How can both of those passages be true? You'll have to tell me that one because it's not simple to me. Okay, it, I, I thought it was simple. If the Bible says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, but in another place it says, if you forsake me, I will forsake you, then the obvious way that both of those texts can be true is, as long as we don't forsake him, he will never leave us and forsake us. But if he forsakes, if we forsake him, he will forsake us. That's exactly how both those passages can be true. The one that's saying, I will never leave you nor forsake you, is not talking about a person who forsakes God. That's obviously talking about one who does not forsake God. You can tell that from Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 2. And so, Neil, the way to answer the question, to find out who's right between Andrew Farley and myself, is look at the Bible. And I'll suggest to you there are about 2,500 passages in the Bible that prove conclusively that once saved, always saved is false, and not a single one teaches once saved, always saved. Not a single passage, if you look at it in context. For example, the one that's quoted most of the time talks about that uh, my sheep hear my voice, and that, uh, they follow me, John chapter 10, and, and no one will ever pluck them out of my hand. And people use that all the time, but did you notice the word pluck? When you pluck somebody out of somebody's hand, that means that's something that's taken out involuntarily. In other words, somebody is trying to force you out of God's hand. It doesn't it wouldn't comment upon the fact of whether you left the Lord voluntarily. Somebody nobody can pluck you out of God's hand. People use that to prove once saved, always saved, but the word pluck tells you right there it's not talking about the fact what if I voluntarily quit following Christ, then I cease to be his sheep. Nobody's plucking me out. I'm leaving of my own accord. That seems pretty simple to me. What about well, that passage, Neil? And go ahead, Neil. I'm sorry. All that equates to a choice on our part. That's right. Agreed. Yep. What about this passage in Revelation chapter three, verse five, Neil, which says, "Jesus is speaking. He says, He that overcometh, I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels." Now, if if, if language means anything, Neil, that seems to be saying, implying that if I don't overcome, like temptation, persecution, that our name will be blotted out of the book of life. You agree, Neil? That makes sense to me. Uh, do you okay. believe in seasonality of sin? Somebody can sin for a day, a week, or a month, and maybe grace could cover you while you're in that season? Grace will cover any sin as long as a person is willing to repent and confess it. Remember, we quoted 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins.
If we don't confess, he won't forgive us. But let's get back to Revelation 3, 5, Neil. If this, if this implies that if we don't overcome, he will blot out our name out of the book of life, wouldn't that clearly teach once saved, always saved is false, Neil? Because you can't get in your name in the book of life unless you're saved, right, Neil? Yeah, if your name's there, I think it's there. Yep, that means you're saved. And here it says that if you if you do not overcome temptation, he'll blot your name out, which means you're not saved anymore. Neil, we're going to have to go off there. Appreciate your call. We've only got about 30 seconds left. We appreciate you, appreciate you listening to Bible Crossfire. I want you to listen every week at this same time. Let me mention my website again, BibleCrossfire.com. Go there if you want to continue our conversation via email. Right at the top of that website is a way to click on a button to send me an email. Send me an email if you want to. Talk about the Bible, any Bible subject, all throughout the week. I'd love to talk to you about the Bible. BibleCrossfire.com. BibleCrossfire.com. Go there and let's talk more about the Bible.